I invite you to turn your copy of God's Word to Luke chapter 2, if you still don't have it open there. We'll be carrying on from the reading that Paul did earlier and, and then breaking down this uh, passage here this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 22 uh, through 38 is where we will camp out this morning. Luke 2, t- beginning at 22. This is God's Word. So when the time came for purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God, saying, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and a glory for your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul as well. So that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel in the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming in that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Thanks be to God for his word. Now, this morning, it's interesting, as we've been looking through this Christmas season, we've been unfolding different passages that are uh, what is seen in the person and work in Christ. What is seen? And uh, here this morning, what is seen is salvation. Salvation. Simeon says it himself, my eyes have seen your salvation. It wasn't just the invisible God made visible. It wasn't just the glory of God on display. It wasn't just the unfolding promises of God that were seen in Christ. But here, salvation. What's amazing is this man, Simeon, receives this baby in his arms. He doesn't need to wait to see Jesus perform miracles. He doesn't need to wait to see uh, Calvary. He doesn't need to wait to see the resurrection. He, by the gift of the Holy Spirit of God, knows. He knows what this is. This is salvation that that he's beholding in his very eyes. This is the one who was to come. In verse 25, it speaks of this man, Simeon. He says, now there's a man in Jerusalem. His name was Simeon. He was righteous and devout. And what he was doing, it says he was waiting 
for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting. He was just, he spent his life anticipating, looking for, asking God for the consolation, the, the redemption of, the repairing of the people of Israel to their God. And he's waiting for it. And it's interesting because it had been, verse 26 says, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ or the Lord's Messiah. You will not die before you see the Messiah. Once you've seen him, you will die. It's almost a double-edged sword. Now that you have seen him, you know you're to die. But did, was he upset by that? No. Instead, he spent this time rejoicing. It could have been like, oh, I see death coming. Let me fear. Let me tremble. Let me run. Let me not have this moment. But instead, he spent his life begging for this moment, anticipating this moment, waiting for this moment. This moment that did mean his ultimate death. But the death was not what mattered. The, the coming Messiah, the consolation for Israel, the, the repairer of his soul to God had come. He had waited for this his whole life. And here he will not see death before he sees the Lord's Christ, the coming Messiah, the one to save his people from their sins. This is what he waited for. And verse 27 tells us that just like any other day, he, he came into the temple he was coming to pray, to worship, to do duties. And this day was different. It was shockingly different because not only was it his death notice, but it was eternal life notice for all. For all. Because here today, he would see what he had been waiting for arrive. Consolation for Israel, the Christ who would come to repair the brokenness between God and his people. The one who would bridge the gap, who would take away the sins of the people, therefore restoring the relationship between them and God. It says there in verse 27, he came into the, into the temple and when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought this child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took this baby in his arms and he blessed God. He praised God. He, he rejoiced in God, knowing what this was. It's incredible because Jesus didn't have, as we discussed about the glory of God, Jesus didn't have this like emanating light from this child, like cover him up like Moses covered his face when he was in the presence of the glory of God. That wasn't the case with this baby, just like this glowing child, like we don't know what to do with this thing, let's bring him to the temple. He wasn't glowing so that he was just recognizable. It wasn't that he was performing miracles as this baby but we, we learned that, that Simeon had the, the Holy Spirit of God in his heart resonating with the truth of God. The truth of God that this here is the Messiah of God. It's exactly the same. Your life, you may be presented with Jesus time and time and time again. How many people do you know are presented with Jesus time and time and time again? And they may see Jesus, they may hear the story of Jesus but there is no resonating in their hearts. There's no real recognition. There's a, oh, that's a nice story, or that's a ridiculous story, or whatever the case may be. There is no heart uh, residing in their heart to go, this is true. This is the reality that my heart has been longing for. It is only when God transforms our hearts, our hearts that were once hardened towards God, are dead in our trespasses and sins, not alive to any uh, reception of God, but yet God transforms a heart. 
makes it palatable, makes it feeling. And here, Simeon has the same things. The Holy Spirit in him now makes his heart be able to see something that is not physically seen in this child Jesus. But because of the Holy Spirit of God in his heart, he sees the salvation of Israel arrive. He sees who Christ is. So the disciples did not need to see Jesus perform five miracles or 10 miracles or 15 miracles to know, ah, finally, yes, he is the Christ. We finally got our checklist down. They didn't need to see that. They didn't need to see him die his death. Although all of these things that were seen, the miracles, sometimes it was the miracles that were the way that God opened someone's eyes or the way he died with the soldier who had said, surely this is the Christ. Or the way he rose from the dead and those who saw him. That was not necessary to see all of those things with your eyes to know in your heart that this is the Christ. And that's the beauty for us is we will not see Jesus walk among us. He has already done so. We don't need to see the physical man come here in our presence in order to believe in him. Instead, what we need is the Holy Spirit of God in our lives and our hearts to open our eyes to open our hearts, to, to cause our hearts to, rather than be um, for ourselves only and in hardness towards God, we need the Holy Spirit to give us a new heart, a new life, a life that would then see and feel. And it's only a heart that is transformed by and controlled by the Holy Spirit, as Simeon had here. It tells us very clearly, this was by the Holy Spirit. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was actively um, revealing things to Simeon's heart, as he does with you and me and everyone else. No one will ever truly see Christ without the Holy Spirit. We just won't. And that's the beautiful thing about it, is we can tell people about Jesus until we are blue in the face. But unless the Holy Spirit is enacting upon their heart, they will never see they won't. And, and so the joy and the privilege for us is, for, for our loved ones who have not seen Christ, is we take them before the throne of God and we say, oh God, you need to open their eyes. I can show them my testimony. I can show them my life. I can be a good witness to them. I must share Christ with them so they may finally see once they've finally heard but it is only you, O oh God, who can open a heart and open a mind and open eyes to see. So God, would you open them to receive so that when tomorrow, if I'm going to tell them about the truth of Christmas, if I'm going to tell them about who this Jesus is, that they would actually have the heart to see. It's not me. It's not my cunningness or my, my craftiness with words or my ability to tell a good story. Ah, yes, now I finally get Jesus because you used a joke or you were funny or you had this cool illustration. Nothing like that. doesn't matter what arguments you have. We'll never win someone to faith in Christ. They will not see without the Holy Spirit. And so we are thankful. That is not our responsibility to open the hearts of our loved ones. It is our responsibility to bring them Christ. As Mary and Joseph followed their responsibility of God, their responsibility was to bring him to the temple, to follow the laws, to obey. So they did obey. And when they obeyed, God had already done a work in Simeon. And so the same thing applies for us as we are to just obey. We are told to go into all the worlds and make disciples. 
So we, we go into all the world, starting next door, starting with family members, and out from there, and we bring them Jesus. And we pray in advance that God has opened their eyes like he had for Simeon. Simeon's waiting. That's the beautiful thing is you never know if a family member you told about Christ five years ago and they were so hardened to it. You don't know what God has done in their hearts or their lives or through situations or circumstances. So now they may be waiting, waiting for the, the, the truth of how, how is my heart to be made right? And, and some people, you'll see it, they'll begin pursuing ways to try to make up for guilt They'll begin pursuing ways to try to be right with God. They'll begin maybe even doing religious things. You don't know who's waiting for this salvation. And so we go and we take them Jesus. We present them Jesus. As he takes this child, verse 29, he says to God, he he prays right away. He prays, Lord, now you are letting your servant himself. You're letting me depart in peace. Like, I'm, I'm made whole. I am satisfied. I am so satisfied in this moment knowing that your promise has been fulfilled. That you have come to your people. That your people will finally be rescued. That there won't be a system that is broken again and again. But instead, sin will be dealt with once for all. He says, I can now depart in peace according to your word. You have said it and you have done it. And he gives the reason why you can depart in peace. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. They have seen what we as a people have anticipated for hundreds of years as the Messiah who is yet to come. We have seen your salvation. We've seen what it means to be made right, to be recognized before God as one not who is far off, not who is distant, not who is purely just a sinner, but one who might be welcomed in. We have seen your salvation. What a blessing it is to see his salvation. I think for those of us who have seen his salvation, we we might even take that for granted. That when we see or we hear of Jesus and we read the scriptures and we see the Messiah anticipated and then uh, revealed, we we get it. We we can see it and it's beautiful and precious to us, the anticipation, the the faith that it takes for his saints to believe in him. And and we get it. We've seen it. How precious a thing, but how sad a thing for those who can't see it, who have the word open before them, who have this season that has been, um, uh, what do you say, hijacked by everything else but the centrality of Christ. And here, they don't see. It doesn't matter if they're told. It doesn't matter if they're shown, if they've read the Christmas story every year. They might not see. And they don't have this peace that Simeon has. They cannot depart in peace. If you have seen, you can depart in peace. That's why the Apostle Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, it doesn't matter if I live or die If I live, I'm living with Christ and I get to serve Christ. If I die, I'm with Christ forevermore. And so he says, death is not the enemy anymore. I can depart in peace. I can die at any time. Doesn't matter the process of death. Doesn't mean that's not scary or hard or difficult. But we can die in peace knowing that when we die, even though we had the wages of sin being death, that that we owed God, that the payment, the punishment for our sin, he says, 
There's no more fear there. We can depart in peace, knowing that we are right with God, at peace with God, and that's what has come. That's what Simeon sees in this moment. He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, verse 30, verse 31, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation even to the Gentiles and the glory to your people Israel. Israel finally has their Messiah who would come. And the Gentiles are not left out. As we see Christ being the one who reaches out to Gentile and pagan alike, who would share love with them, compassion with them, and his presence with them. All who would come, all who would see are welcomed. Verse 33, Mary and Joseph marveled. They marveled. And I cannot imagine what their, this whole season has already been for them. It would have been a whirlwind. And just, they've, or Mary's already had this beautiful song in, in Luke chapter 1 where she has just marveled and treasured up all these things in her heart. And now again to have more of these pieces kind of peeled back that the Holy Spirit has revealed this is salvation. This is the coming consolation, the peace for Israel, the peace for all who would be made right with God. This is it. This child. Verse 33 says, They marveled at what was said about their son Jesus. And Simeon blessed them, the parents. They had a task before them, a way to serve God that was going to be unique, that no one else would have. He blessed them and he said to Mary, the mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and a sign that is opposed. He would be the cornerstone that would also be a stumbling block for many. He would be for the fall of many. When people would come to him and, and, and see him, many would stumble over him, especially of the Jewish heritage of the Israelite people. They would see him as offensive. Hence why so many of the Pharisees were after him to kill him. Because he was so unlike what they ever thought. He would be appointed for the fall of many, but for the rising of many as well. A sign that is opposed. And then verse 35 is interesting. In parenthesis, it says, And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Speaking to Mary, As a mother, your soul will be pierced. And we think of his crucifixion when his mother Mary was standing there, soul pierced, as she witnessed her son pierce the soul. But beyond the um, emotional piercing, the emotional pain of that, verse 35 says also, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Jesus in his presence, will reveal the hearts of men, will reveal the hearts of women all over, and, and not just in his physical presence. Again, even today, you know how many people are uncomfortable with the presence of Jesus, the idea of Jesus, the preaching of Jesus, the presence of Bibles, or the, the word Christmas, or Christianity? School boards will dance around the idea of Christmas and say, well, it's a holiday season that people celebrate everything. He's like, well, what about Christmas? They'll, they'll dance around it. People are, are uncomfortable sometimes in the presence of Christians. They're com uncomfortable in the presence of a church building because they think, oh, the presence of Jesus is there somehow. 
They just are uncomfortable in it. It's because he is the light. And the light exposes what wants to hide in the darkness, the things we don't want to yet give up. How many people say, don't give me that Jesus? Because they have things they say, I'm not letting go of these things. If that Jesus is going to ask me to let go of these parts of my life, I don't want him. I don't want that Jesus. It hurts. It pains. Because Jesus exposes the thoughts of many. He exposes where people want themselves to be God and not him. Expose the pressures of, of the sin in our own heart and where it drives us to. That's what Jesus has come to do. To reveal the hearts of many. And aren't we thankful that when our eyes have been opened to see this revelation of our hearts, we are we're thankful. I'm thankful that he has shown me my heart is weak and frail. I'm, I'm thankful he's shown me my heart is full of sin and that in that sinfulness I can say I am unworthy to approach your presence. I am unworthy to come to God. What then shall I do? What then shall I do to be saved? And then to have Jesus presented. In my heart to, to resonate and say, that's it. That's it. That's the only way that I can be right with God. That's the only way that I can be uh, consolidated with God and be made right with God is through this one who is to come, Jesus. Verse 36 says, There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advancing years. And it says that she was there praying and fasting day in and day out. Praying and fasting and praying and fasting. What a great ministry for a woman who is widowed, a woman in her advanced age. She may not be able to go out and serve the poor and the needy, but she can be there praying and fasting. She was ministering in this temple through a ministry of prayer and fasting, day and night. And it says in verse 38, And coming up the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak of Him, speak of Jesus to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Everyone who had been waiting and longing and, and, and going through the motions, expecting and anticipating, when will he come? She began to speak of this child to all of them. And she was satisfied with that. She was worshiping in that. that she had seen also. Her eyes had been opened to see the salvation what a blessing it is for us to see salvation. I love Romans chapter 10 because it says, For all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you call upon him. Well, it also goes on to say, well, how will they call upon him the one they've not heard about? The one they've not seen? So then it goes on and says, well, that's why we have the responsibility to bring Jesus to the people. So then if they have ears to hear and a heart to receive, they will call upon him. They will call upon him if they have seen him. All who call upon him will be saved. They will be reconciled and made right to God. And then it says at the end of Romans chapter 10, it says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring salvation. How beautiful this day were the feet of Joseph and Mary who were in obedience, doing what they thought God wanted them to do, and brought salvation, as it were, to Simeon, peace to his heart, recognizing that God had kept his promise. How beautiful are our feet at Christmas time, at week in and week out, a year in and year out through our whole life to bring Jesus, salvation to those who would hear, 
to those who would see, so that they may have their eyes opened by God to say, now I have seen your salvation. I have seen the way that, that maybe I have pursued other avenues. I've pursued other ways to try to make a deal with God. How many people try to make a deal with God? If I just do these things, maybe. If, if I just do this, I think God will accept me in heaven. That's not what scripture says. God lays out the rules. You must be holy and pure and righteous. Your record of wrong might be done away with. He has come. He has come. Christ has come to take away the record of wrong that stands against us. And he did so by nailing it to the cross. Our eyes have seen salvation. So then our job, as ones who have seen, is to then obey. And to take that very message, to take that very hope of the world and present it. Say, would you like to see? Maybe they would. Maybe they wouldn't. It's not a ramming down a throat, but instead a walking in obedience, treasuring in our hearts, marveling in our hearts at the beauty of salvation found in Christ. Not in his physical presence, not in this mysterious glowing of a child or a human being. But instead, in this incarnation, we see his promise of coming near. We see his fulfillment of a life righteous instead of ours. We see his death perfect instead of ours. Even if we had died on the cross, it would not have been sufficient. There's two of the criminals that day. They didn't save you from your sin. They didn't save themselves from their sin. Dying on the cross wasn't the thing. That was the way of obedience. That was the way to raise him up. That was the way that had been determined for his execution. But it was his righteous life and his perfect death and his resurrection is what saves us. Is when we say, I need that for me. I have seen salvation. It is through him alone that my life must be united with him in some unique way. Not just through a story, not just acceptance of history, but through faith. Oh God, may you open my eyes. May you open the eyes of all those that I love who have not yet seen. May you open their eyes. They may see your salvation and depart in peace. I want to depart in peace and I want all the world to depart in peace and I know they won't. So then may the reality of us seeing drive us to be a person of prayer and fasting. That not only we don't have to wait for the coming Israel anymore. We don't have to wait for the coming salvation. He has come. He has accomplished what needed to be done. And so then we just wait for his coming again. And as we do, we pray and we fast and we beg God to open more eyes. To continually keep our eyes open when we are wanting to be blinded by the things of the world. Where the world tries to choke us out to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We beg God, open my eyes, see your salvation. Let me see Christ again and again. And let me worship him as he so rightly deserves. This is a beautiful season that is often distracted. But it doesn't have to be. There can be good things that are enjoyed by families on the side, but then there are true things that have to be captured in our hearts. There is peace at Christmas season, and it is because of Christ. There is joy at Christmas, and it is because Christ is eternal. And there is hope because he has come and will never fail his people. We have seen his salvation, and may we see it day in and day out and present it to others to be seen. Let's be people who take this 
and pray about it for others so they may see too. Let's pray. Well, God, you are so good and holy and awesome, and you deserve for us to be perfect in your presence. You have made us to be that way, to reflect your glory perfectly, and we have not. We have fallen short. We have broken our relationship with you because of our sin, but yet you have made things right. You have come. You have repaired that relationship through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for those of us who have seen, those of us who you have opened our eyes and our heart to be able to feel and know the reality of who this Christ is. Thank you that he has saved us. And that even today he's saving souls all over the world. We just pray for our friends and our family, for neighbors who don't have eyes to see. Their, their eyes have been blinded by an, the enemy to, to keep them from seeing Christ. We pray you would open their eyes and that we would be there as one who would present Christ to them through the way we live, through the way we celebrate, through how we talk. That we would present Christ in, in a way that is not just expecting them to watch our lives and learn, but we would have courage to tell them of Christ. Would you help us, we pray, in this season and in all seasons of life to help others to see salvation who has come. We thank you for it. In Christ's name, amen.